0: And welcome back to The X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I am your host. I am your guide as together we cross this time-space continuum, this place that I call The X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And The X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Digital Satellite Network, across Europe and Asia on your Radio TV and Radio X, and, of course, on iHeartRadio. If you'd like to send me an email, it's very simple, exxon at exxonradiotv.com, on all social media sites, exon Radio TV, And to find out about the programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour is John Greenwald, and he is the gentleman behind The Black Vault. The website, www.theblackvault.com. And uh, John, welcome to the X-Zone.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: John, tell us a little bit about yourself and what the inspiration was for you to get into the work that you do, amassing millions of pieces of information about UFOs and everything else.
1: Yeah, I started, uh, now over 20 years ago, which is, <laughs> I can't believe that it's been that long. Um, I was 15 years old at the time. And, you know, it was before even Google was an actual search engine, really. I mean, you know, Googling wasn't a thing. And, uh, I w- remember it was Alta Vista was the search engine. And oh, I searched thing, yeah. for UFOs. And, even back then, you would get hundreds of thousands. Now it's, you know, tens of millions. But at the time, this was 1996, you know, hundreds of thousands of websites on UFOs. And I was just a teenager, and I never thought that I would get into this full time. Mm-hmm. And I started looking into some of the stories, and you just kind of see the same rehash, and even to this day, but you seem to see the same rehash of this story and that story. Yeah. But what really intrigued me was the government aspect and i kind of made what i call the the worst decision of my life but i ended up uh... determining that it was the best decision of my life and that was thinking to myself at the age of fifteen that if i wanted the truth the united states government would be the one to give it to me and now i was fifteen and naive at the time i really thought that that was true And I started going after government documents, thinking, again, that, well, this, you know, this is irrefutable. Mm -hmm. And I quickly learned, well, they're going to lie through their teeth as well. (laughs) But that was pretty powerful evidence to show that there was a cover-up going on and and as the the months and years ticked on it was very provable that the ufo phenomena was a real thing uh that this wasn't something that was as easily explainable and since then uh, like you said i've amassed uh, about 1.6 million pages of government documents not all on ufos i deal with uh, pretty much every government secrecy uh or every government secret that you can imagine but uh, but UFOs has always been the most popular and um, and and to be honest with you the most intriguing to me I think that that's probably my favorite of all the government secrets that are out there. John, how does FOIA work? FOIA is pretty simple uh, to the root of the of what the law is, and that is uh, it allows any person anywhere on the planet. You can be in Canada, the United States, Great Britain doesn't matter to access information from the U.S. government plain and simple you just have to ask for it now there's a a form letter uh... essentially that you can follow but really what you have to do is figure out what is the best agency to go to that might have the information that you want that's kind of the trick i mean you really have to figure out what will be the right office because if you ask for something from the fbi but it's a cia project uh... you know you will probably come up with uh, no records and you think well the government doesn't have anything you just essentially have to go to the right place and uh, and that's kind of the hardest part you send off your letter the biggest kind of i would say frustration is the waiting game and that is uh... kind of the toughest parts some agencies take uh, months others take years uh, in one case i waited over fifteen years for a document to come i've only been doing this for twenty you know, imagine three quarters Unreal. of the time that i've been doing this i was waiting for one single document so although the process works, and I'm a big fan of it, mm-hmm. an advocate for anybody out there who wants to try it to try it, it does involve a lot of patience.
0: John Greenwald is our guest, ExoNation, com, And, uh, wow, 15 years waiting for something come back from the government. Why does that surprise me? Sounds like Canada. <laughs> We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Check out his website, www.theblackvault.com. This is The Exon. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Ooh. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Exo John Greenwald is our special guest of this hour. He is the gentleman behind the Black Vault. The website is www.org theblackvault.com. John, what is the UFO government connection?
1: Well, that's a tough question uh, to answer. Uh, When you start looking into this field and this phenomena, the government wants you to believe that there is none, Uh, that there's no connection whatsoever. But the documentation, the actual evidence, if you take the time to look at it, tells a completely different story. And, you know, now the, the, the big question is, it's provable that there's a cover-up. I think that that's easy. When you look at the government documents and you see that there's not one or two or ten or twenty, there are literally thousands and thousands of pages on the UFO phenomena that are still classified. That's the key here. There's a lot of stuff out there that you can read and, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily classified. That's not the interesting stuff. The point is, is that whatever this phenomena is, it is... By the government's own explanation, the reason why it's blacked out, if they gave it to you, it is a threat to national security. So, what then about the UFO phenomena is a threat to national security? And that's the part that makes your question very tough to answer because although there is a connection, what is it? You know, there's a lot of sure. conspiracy theories out there that the government is in collusion with aliens and you know there's top-secret testing in the northern new mexico and an underground base and mm-hmm. yeah there's all sorts of crazy stories out there but we don't know what the what the reality is um, i personally my feeling behind all of this the cover-up is not necessarily that there's some collusion i believe the cover-up is there by the u.s government because they just don't know they don't have an answer and if, you know, you follow anything uh, related to the U.S. government, you quickly realize that they want to be the number one of everything. They want to be the smartest. They want to be the most heavily armed. They want to be the most technologically advanced. They want to be number one in everything. And, and, when and we're, talking, the,
0: we're talking about a government that can't even pass a health bill.
1: Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that the government can't do. They can't deliver mail and make it profitable. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> silly things that... Sure you know the government uh you know can't do and yet this is the biggest unanswered question that in my opinion humanity has yet to answer and that is are we alone in the universe is, is it and possible think,
0: is it possible John mm-hmm. that the ufo that is that is that is uh written about or identified in these government papers is actually just an unidentified flying object it doesn't mean that it's from outer space but could it be Um, a flying object that was from this planet that just hasn't been identified yet.
1: Yeah, that's a a great point. Of course, you you know, UFO does not necessarily equal Mm -hmm. alien in every every instance. So what I've done over the years, and I do this when I do public lectures, is you go through every possible non-alien, skeptical way to look at the UFO phenomena. And when you take this list of everything that you can think of, of what these UFOs can be, when you look at the government documents, those that you can read, mm-hmm. none of them match up. They just don't. They, they, you know, there's, there's documentation to show um, and prove that this is an intelligent phenomena. Uh, this is something that uh, that the U.S. government cannot explain. This is not a top-secret military <laughs> aircraft. Um, could, could, it, could it potentially be that uh, when somebody in the middle of Nebraska or you know some other uh, state sees something, absolutely, that's that's potentially uh, an explanation. But when the U.S. government and U.S. military itself says that there is no explanation and it is truly unidentified, that kind of leaves only one thing on that skeptical list, and again, that is connecting to the extraterrestrial phenomena.
0: But if other countries were able to hack into the U.S. government files and, you know, get lists of employees and so on and uh, possibly even even affect the election, how can, you know, why wouldn't they take the opportunity of exposing one of the biggest controversies in the United States these days and find the proof that extraterrestrials have been here, and that the United States government is lying to the people?
1: Well, yeah, it, that is a big question. And arguably, there have been, quote-unquote, hacked material that's come out from the government mm-hmm. by people. I mean, you've got Gary McKinnon and the story behind him hacking into NASA saying that there's proof of alien life and, um, you know, uh, a whole secret string of astronauts that are, you know, uh, flying around that we don't know about. Th- that's out there, you know, and that's... that's. Um, very controversial but it's there but it also i think it makes this field very hard to kind of conquer you know there's um when you have those types of rumored leaked documents and you can't verify it they sound great and they read great but you really don't know what the truth is so to kind of answer your question it is out there it's just really controversial and you can never prove it you can never say without a doubt that what gary mckinnon had uh seen and what he's talked about is real it just doesn't um it just doesn't become verifiable very easily in a world where there's so much to
0: worry about for example you've got the the uh, political situation you have the the, uh, the weather, you've got the unemployment, you've got the healthcare uh, fiasco that's going on, and when you look at the world, you have terrorism, uh, mm-hmm. war, famine. Why do you think that so many people really don't care about UFOs, that it's just those who are, you know, within the community itself?
1: Yeah, I. that's an unfortunate thing that I think a lot of people don't, Care about these big questions uh, that they don 't care about answering is the UFO phenomena extraterrestrial or not? Uh, we just don 't know um, i don 't think uh, people look up anymore they 're looking down I think they 're looking at their cell phones they 're becoming a world of of zombies and mm-hmm. um, it's it 's unfortunate it 's sad because people don 't take it seriously, and they should now what doesn 't help is the media what doesn't help are, are these, you know, jokes when somebody finally does, you know, ask a question or, or, or say something on television, that's always followed by a joke. It's always something that, you know, um, is kind of ridiculed by the public. And, and I think that they, pe- you know, people latch on to that, and they, when they finally hear a real story about the UFO phenomena or the potential that it's connected to aliens, yeah. they laugh it off because that's what they're used to. But
0: on, on, you know, this, on the same, same strain, John, when you've got directors of MUFON coming out and saying that Malaysian Airline Flight 370 will never be found because it was abducted by aliens... Mm -hmm. and they issue a press release to this extent, you know, you can't blame the media for not taking a lot of these people serious.
1: Yeah, you don't have any argument from me. I think that a lot of those types of theories and Mm -hmm. a lot of those types of stories um, are very unfortunate in this field because a lot of people will, will say something like that or make a claim or write a press release or say something with absolutely no evidence whatsoever. And one of the ways that I, what I, that I term it is it's called the hunt for virality. And ultimately, here in the 21st century, uh, in the world of social networking, everybody wants that next viral story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they want that next picture, that next video. They want that next post to get 3 million shares and 5,000 likes uh, an hour and this and that. And, and I think that that's what we're seeing the majority of the time. The more extraordinary the claim the more widespread the claim goes, and I think that that again, that hunt for virality, people are latching onto that and go well if if Malaysian airlines you know went down because of an equipment malfunction, mm-hmm. no one really cares except the families of of those that went down. But if you say that it was abducted by aliens, all of a sudden you know people are sharing it and liking it sure. and so on. But it is laughable when you really kind of look at it from a serious standpoint. And it's, and it's really unfortunate. So you've got no argument from me. There's a lot of people out there that are not helping this field. And uh, by putting stories out there like that and taking it seriously with zero evidence whatsoever, that does not help the situation at all.
0: John, did the U.S. government and uh, military really stop investigating UFOs?
1: Well, that's what they want you to believe. But again, this is another instance where if you look at the documentation, if you look at the evidence and what they will freely give you, again, not hacked information, not speculation, mm-hmm. uh, not conspiracy theory, the documentation that they will give you proves that they have been collecting UFO records and reports. They want you to believe from 1947 to 1969 they did their investigation. Project. Blue this Book. is the, what I project. Yeah, Project Sign, Project Grudge, and ultimately Project Blue right. Book is what we we all know it by. And this was their investigation. They did over 12,000 UFO investigations, or so they say. And when it was all said and done after those 22-some-odd years, only 701 of them remained truly unidentified. Now, the reason why they remained unidentified, this this small number in the grander scale and scheme of things, uh, was that it just simply was a lack of evidence, that the information wasn't there to properly identify it, but they felt strongly that those 701 could be identified if the evidence uh, was there it just lacked the appropriate evidence so ultimately they were saying the phenomena was a waste of time a waste of money and in 1969 the beginning of 1970 it was completely shut down but the documentation shows something different when you look at the CIA when you look at the NSA when you look at the DIA when you look at all these three letter you know acronym agencies All of them had UFO records that went and stretched far beyond that 1969 cutoff date. And the most heavily classified UFO documents, the ones that were coming up in my request when I was asking for UFOs, that's how we know that they're UFO records, um, they are the most heavily classified uh, later as time goes on. So the farther you get away from 1969, Mm -hmm. the more classified the information is. So why is that? What You know, that, that should be kind of the opposite, that if in 1969 they determined the phenomena was easily explainable, then as time goes on, they can say, yeah, we got a phone call about this UFO, but we just believe it to be a weather balloon, and here's the documentation, nothing blacked out. You know, that would make more sense, but it's quite the opposite. And these UFO records, which many of which are classified top secret, they have top secret stamps, many of which are blacked out from top to bottom, if they give them to you at all, sometimes they just say, well, we're not even going to you know, black it out. There's too much uh, top secret information. So why is that? What is so classified about this information and, and this phenomena that they cannot tell us? So the public company line that they love to tell us about 1969, that is a lie. And it's a provable lie all the way up until today. I even found a United States Air Force manual. Uh, it was labeled 10-206. That same agency that headed that Project Blue Book uh, investigation, they have a manual, had a manual on the books uh, up until about two or three years ago that specifically talked about UFOs, unidentified flying objects, and how to report them. And, um, and interestingly enough, it was your government, the Canadian government, uh, that actually was the one that gave it to me when the United States Air Force at the NORAD installation, the, the, this was the end that actually received these UFO reports, at least mm-hmm. according to this manual. Um, NORAD said we have nothing at our location. We have not collected a single UFO report. So the, the kind of the twist to this story is NORAD is not subject to the Freedom of Information Act. They did the search for records of what they call in good faith. So they were just saying we don't, uh, we're not subject to the FOIA, but we'll go ahead and search anyway, and we found nothing. And the reason why they're not subject to the FOIA is because they're under the control of United States and Canada, and so they call that a binational uh, command. So then U.S. law doesn't apply.
0: John, stand by. So We've I, got to take our yep. break. Please stand by. Exonation. John Greenwald is our guest. www.theblackvault.com. We'll be back on the other side of this news break. Don't go away. Exonation John Greenwald is our special guest. He is the gentleman behind the Black Vault. The website is www. dot com. Let me ask you something, John. With uh, we were talking about computer hacking before, and there's a lot of modern technology out there. Everybody has a cell phone that has a high definition camera in it. What is isn't it? Isn't it ironic that ever since there are more cameras out there, there are less photos being taken of UFOs?
1: Well, yes. And that is a big skeptical argument with what's out there, Uh, meaning everybody's got a camera on their hip. Mm -hmm. Why don't we have more footage, better footage and so on? You know, and I try and be fair and I could compare it to a car accident. And, you know, you're walking down the street and you see a car accident. It happens very quickly and you generally, you know, are are not going to capture that very quick act. As it happens, you may capture the aftermath, but you're not going to you know capture it as it happens u f o sightings generally don't last for an hour um, yes, uh, some sightings do, and and yes, you kind of want to strangle a witness when they say, "I watched it for thirty minutes, and wow, i don't have a photo or a video, but it was amazing, and you want to strangle' them. sure, but in fairness, you know you don't know unless you're in the moment, and i've never been in that moment, so i don't know how I'd feel, but you don't know when you're in the moment if you're looking at something. And you go, I got to take a picture of this, you know, and just pull out your cell phone. After the fact, yeah, you, you look at a witness and go, you idiot, why didn't you just take a photo, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, you just want to strangle them. But in the moment, if you're truly looking at something so extraordinary, that cell phone or that picture may not necessarily be the first thing on your mind. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm i going to be a, 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 you know, a little bit um, cheesy here for a moment, sure. and, and I think that sometimes you know people people should enjoy what they're seeing a little bit more in front of them and not worry about you know taking a photo or video don't necessarily feel that about the ufo phenomena you know i mean i think a lot of people just spend too much time on their phones anyway if i saw a ufo i don't know if my first inclination would be to pull out a phone uh, you know and and snap a picture or snap a video i hope it would be that way people would believe me uh, but again in, in the moment uh, it's really hard to say i mean if you're so struck by something that is so extraordinary, taking that video evidence may not be the first thing on your mind.
0: You know, we were speaking about the U.S. government and the Canadian government, and it was just uh, not that long ago that the Canadian government has totally disbanded anything to do with UFOs. Any UFO report that comes in is now now referred to Chris Rutowski.
1: Yeah, and that seems uh, kind of indicative to what, you know uh, the US government has done in some of their you know public uh letters and and form letter responses they they forward somebody to uh you know uh, Peter Davenport at the UFO reporting center uh but what was very interesting to go back to the story before your your break there the Canadian government was the one that really proved the American lie about the UFO phenomena and they gave me a stack of pages UFO related uh from the 2000s the early 2000s that proved that NORAD was lying to me that they didn't collect any UFO records. So since the early 2000s yeah they may have mm-hmm. you know ultimately shut off uh collecting UFO reports. But I would also argue that maybe that's just what they want you to believe. If you look at the American government, that's what they want you to believe also, that they don't care. But in reality, you look at these uh, documents, it shows the opposite. So Canada's a government I haven't tackled much. I did get the uh, UFO records um, you know, through the Department of National Defense up there. But I haven't really tackled them as a whole to really kind of target in like I have the U.S. government. So maybe there's more to the story. I don't know, you know, how your Access, Information, Access to Information Act works. Uh, I know it's equivalent to our FOIA, but, you know, I'm, I'm wondering how many, how many individuals and researchers up there are really engaging all the different agencies and going after, you know, documents relating to it. Because if it's anything like the American government, what they say is definitely quite the opposite of what they actually do.
0: We've had Paul Hellier on the show, the former Minister of Defense and Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, who is now into Mm -hmm. the UFO um, community as a speaker and so on and so forth. On the show, I point blank asked him, as Minister of Defense for Canada, had he ever seen or heard of a UFO uh, being sighted over Canada? Or a report that has that had crossed his desk, or the members of his staff in in Ottawa, and he blatantly said no.
1: Okay. But he is a big believer, right? I he, mean, I know his background. Oh story, yeah, he is,
0: he, he, is, he is now because he's making money at it because he can't make any more money in politics, and he uses the UFO community as a uh, as a catapult to. You know to sell books but when it comes he's never seen a ufo all his experience comes from reading books hmm you know so yeah,
1: i've met him a couple times and i mean i don't want to trash anybody who's in the field but i i mean i wouldn't say i was overly impressed with what i heard um you know it doesn't hurt to have somebody of of that former rank and 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 you know holder of an office to come out and kind of support the field as a whole um, but, if, again, if there's the, that lack of evidence, that that doesn't help the case at all, you know, because that is the type of person that will get into the, to the limelight, that if, yeah. let's say, a major media outlet wants to cover the field and they go after somebody like him who's prominent, but, again, there's no evidence to ultimately back up what the claims are, that doesn't help. And I think that that's, you know, doing more harm to the field than good if we're out there saying something, but we can't back it up similar to your comment about Malaysia Airlines. Right. You can say it, and that's great, but if you're not backing it up, people are just going to laugh at you if if, and when you ever do get real evidence, nobody's going to take you seriously.
0: Based on the research that you've done, John, and the uh, the documents that you've been able to decipher from, F, uh, from under the Freedom of Information Act, do you believe that these UFOs, if they are from other planets or other universes or wherever pose a threat to the safety of this planet and the occupants of the planet
1: well i you know using the government documents as an example whatever that ufo connection is if it is alien it is a threat to national security because that's why they say they won't tell us about it Um, away from the government documents do they pose a threat i look at it kind of uh, at a, on a smaller scale. I com- compare it to the people of Earth. And not everybody on Earth lives in harmony, as True. we very well know. Yep. There's a lot of different countries out there. Some are very peaceful. Some are very simple. Some are very complex. Some are very aggressive. And some just don't care. And I think that when you look at it that scale on a galactic scale, you would have pretty much the same thing. You're going to have peaceful civilizations out there. You're going to have aggressive ones. You're going to have uh, ones that are more simple. Uh, I think that we have to look at it that way, and we have to really come to that conclusion that they could be a threat. Are they? Well, I'm not sure if I can answer that definitively, but I think that if there is one civilization out there, then there are millions of civilizations out there, and there are millions of them that are more advanced than us. And if that is the case, then you're going to have all of the above out there that could potentially come here. And as we all know, you know, in the 16th, the 15th, the 17th century, um, as explorers branched farther and farther out from their homeland, uh, it didn't fare well for the other side in most cases. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that we have to look at our own history to understand on a cosmic scale uh, what could potentially happen to us as, hum- as humans here on Earth, uh, in the future, if it isn't happening already, and this kind of leads into one of my favorite topics to talk about, uh, which is the kind of that uh, the SETI protocols, the reaching out to the cosmos, sending out these signals, saying here we are, this is what we are, this is where we are, uh, this is how you can get here, and ultimately this is how in advanced we are, this is how bad our technology is. And I think that an alien race, should they be aggressive, pick up that signal, that's not going to be good for us. And I think we got to really start thinking about when we're sending out these messages, who are we sending it to? And that's a big debate in my mind that we just don't know. We have this thirst mm-hmm. to fi- – the humanity itself and, and scientists have this thirst to figure out if we are not alone or not because most of them you know, are not – are not decided yet. You know, we haven't found that uh, scientific evidence to show we're not alone in the universe. And so they have that thirst to figure it out. So they're just blindly sending up these signals, not knowing where or whom they are going to. And I think that that potentially is a really big problem.
0: I've had uh, Seth Shostak on the show a number of times over the years, and one of my questions to him is, how do you know that the signals you're sending out can actually be understood by anyone else but humans, mm-hmm. you know. And and you never get a straight answer
1: because they can't answer it. And and I've met Doctor Sh- Doctor Shostak uh, quite a few times. Uh, I've interviewed him for uh, various Discovery and History Channel shows that I've produced and written. And and I'll preface this by saying he is an incredibly intelligent, he incredibly nice guy who is very passionate about his work. Um, And he's clear, concise, and knows how to speak plain English, explaining complicated things. But when it comes to, you know, addressing those points, I would say about SETI as a whole, they can't answer that, because they're not even decided if alien life is out there yet. So they can't, you know, based on that fact, they can't then start assuming whether or not they're going to understand math or science or plain English or Japanese or Chinese or, you know, whatever they are sending up into the cosmos. I think that they've concluded that, you know, mathematics is possibly a universal language, uh, but that's based on a three-dimensional, you know, 20th, now 21st century science. Exactly. So, you know, that kind of doesn't really make sense. And when it comes to alien intelligence and it comes to alien life, uh, really anything goes. I, I, you know, as, as much as we want to truly fathom what is out there, uh, we are so infantile in where we are in the cosmos and and again that that cosmic scale, we can't figure it out. We don't know uh, they might be laughing at us and 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 I laugh at those that talk about aliens coming here to save us from our own nuclear weapons hmm. uh, because our you know nuclear weapons should we not destroy ourselves, will be a threat to the cosmos. in my opinion, that is so laughable because if they can travel from there to here. A nuclear weapon is absolutely nothing, you know. If you look at the nuclear weapon capability of today versus what we dropped in in uh, Nagasaki and in Hiroshima, my point here is that what was big then is nothing now. And look at that's only you know however many years from from 1945 to now. Um, you're not talking about a long stretch there. And look how much technology has changed. That's my point. If you're now talking about 21st century Earth technology and Earth science, yeah, it is amazing how different it is from 18th century science. But if you're talking about a civilization that had a million-year head start on us, do you really think that they're going to care about a 500-megaton bomb? I don't think that that's even going to scratch anything that they've got. And so for for us to be so egotistical to think, well, they're going to come here and save us and bring us to that spiritual next level. I just don't see that happening. I mean, I, I, I think when you deal with intelligent life, if they are out there, I'll say it again, if they're out there, if one of them is out there, then there's millions out there. And if there's millions out there, do you really think they're going to care about us? And that's the biggest question I can't answer. I believe the UFO phenomena is real. I believe that there's a huge possibility it's connected to extraterrestrials, but... I just can't find the connection on why they would care to come here or attempt to communicate with us. John, stand
0: by. We've got to take our final break for this hour. John Greenwald is our special guest, Exxon Nation, www.theblackvault.com. John and I return to wrap up this hour here in the X Zone on the other side of this break from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Exonation John Greenwald is our guest. He is the gentleman behind the Black Vault, www.theblackvault.com. John, I understand that uh, you found some uh, newer documents uh, pertaining to the U.S. Forest Service. Can you tell us about those?
1: Yeah, I was pretty surprised uh, to discover this. I mean, as soon as I think I'm kind of tapped out on on all the different government agencies I go after, mm-hmm. I had filed a FOIA request to the uh, U.S. Forest Service, which is the agency that uh, you know pretty much oversees all of our national forests and national parks here in America. And to my surprise, uh, when I asked for uFO documents, got uh, a stack of information and it started with something pretty rare. It started with a bunch of digital full color photographs of a uFO uh, that were taken just a few years ago. Um, I think that I can deduce that it was maybe a civilian, not a park employee or you know a non government um, um, Witness to mm-hmm. this UFO, but the name is blacked out, so i can 't really determine that and They sent in pictures of a UFO that was seen uh, in this national forest that um, uh, that they couldn 't identify, and the Forest Service took the report. And, uh, obviously, you know, took it to, to the point of archiving it, which shows that they have a little bit of, of interest in the field. I mean, they, they took these photographs. You can't explain what's in the sky. I wouldn't say it's the smoking gun proof, but it shows that the Forest Service obviously does have somewhat of an interest to collect and archive, uh, these UFO photographs that were sent in. Uh, also in the stack of pages that came out was some historical stuff about some of the national parks, even going back to the, to the Project Blue Book era uh but one of the other very interesting points uh was about a forest fire and this forest fire uh was uh, about 2013 I believe 2012 and the reason why these documents came up under by request cuz I was kind of scratching my head why do these connect to a ufo you know request under the foia that apparently it was determined the the source of this fire uh they were talking about an unidentified object that had that had come down from the sky crashed in the forest and ultimately started this uh what became a very large uh, forest fire and so that was the connection to u f o s now publicly they said that you know, it was potentially space debris or something like that that came down. Uh, but again, it, it shows that internally, behind the scenes, they're talking about UFOs, you know, potentially crashing in a national forest and being the source of a fire. So, again, not a smoking gun, but very interesting find, especially since the material is from the last few years.
0: We've talked briefly about nuclear power
1: before, John, but
0: is there a connection mm-hmm. between the UF phenomena and the nuclear installations on planet Earth?
1: There seems to be. There's quite a few government documents out there, uh, You know, most famously probably Malmstrom Air Force Base, that UFOs are seen over nuclear missile silos and, and nuclear power stations. And there seems to be some kind of connection between these UFO sightings and nuclear power. Now, why they would care, I believe that, the, you know, if you were to ask me that, I think that that's a whole different show in itself. I don't believe that they would care, but it seems to be that there is a connection there because there are so many cases, you know, behind uh, these nuclear power plants and and nuclear missile silos. So uh, thinking that, in the last year I filed a FOIA request to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Uh, The NRC is, again, that agency that overlooks many of these nuclear installations. And I was surprised to see that they also had a stack of UFO files I'd never found before. And I got them declassified, and one of which was a base security officer for the Cooper Nuclear uh, Station. I believe that's in uh, Nebraska. And the Cooper Nuclear Station, uh, this base security guard had gone outside. He saw this uh, triangle-shaped UFO over the base in restricted airspace. Uh, He found one of his uh, fellow security guards to come out, take a look. And uh, after a couple minutes, the thing took off, and uh, and and there it went. So they go in and they tell the other uh, security guards that were on duty, and they all laughed at them. They said that you know these two guys were out there drinking too much, or you know doing something else, and and you know they uh, uh, they were laughed at. Well, the next night, according to this report, the UFO actually came back, and those guys that laughed at them, they went in and got them, pulled them out, and sure enough, they said oh, by this report there was over a dozen witnesses to this ufo sighting i checked around this this uh, particular case had never been discovered before mm-hmm. and uh... digging a little bit deeper the security guard didn't report it because he was fearful for his job and it actually took him about twenty plus years to contact the nrc after he retired and said i believe that i should make note of this and the nrc took the report forwarded it to the present-day staff of the Cooper nuclear installation. And they said, do not disseminate this. Only give it to those with a need-to-know basis, which means that they took it seriously, and it was a classified situation, whatever it was. They never identified the object. They couldn't identify it, but it was something that they took very seriously.
0: Do you think disclosure will happen in the near future?
1: It's a great question, and I'll probably be shunned for saying it, but no. I think that the U.S. government... Probably if they do consider it, uh, I don't think that they they ever would. I mean, I think the UFO community is its own enemy. I, I think that it, um, you know, is not making itself look good. So if the yep. government kind of gets into the fray and tries to say, yes, UFOs are real, it's connected to aliens and so on, mm-hmm. America would become a laughing stock just uh, the way the aura has kind of formed around this field over the last few years. So not to be negative, Nancy, about it, if disclosure by the sense of the U.S. government or a world government coming out, I don't think it's, it's going to happen. I think that the repercussions from the public would be too grand for them to consider it. And I think that uh, you, your listeners, myself, we could handle it okay, uh, but I use the Heaven's Gate cult as a as a grim reminder oh gosh, yeah. that uh, there's a lot out there, that, that a lot of people out there that um, – They wouldn't take this type of announcement well. And I'm not saying everybody would go and off themselves uh, with such an announcement. But I think you would see a lot of those types of groups and those...
0: John, are you there? John, are you with us still? ExoNation, I don't know what happened to our guest of this hour, John Greenwald. It seems that uh, we've lost the link uh, to John. But just to give you a round-up, we've been uh, talking to John Greenwald. He is the Gentlemen who start looking up and well, asking him, Well, you, welcome back. We lost you for about 30 seconds. John, you there? Uh, we've lost John again. Craig, is uh, do we have John back? I have no idea what's going on there, my friend. So, why don't we do this, Craig? Um, yeah, we've lost John officially now, so we'll uh, we'll get John back on another day and another time, and we'll uh, we'll just have to. Keep pursuing this matter. So tell me, ExoNation, do you believe that there is a UFO conspiracy? Do you think that the governments of the world are perpetrating a massive cover-up? And if so, why? If we can't get along for political reasons now, how can or how could all the governments of the world hide, suppress, all this information that is apparently out there, John Greenwald, he's the gentleman behind the Black Vault. His website is www.theblackfault.com. dot com. He says that he, you know, he has over one point what was it, Craig, one point two, one point three million pieces of information that he has obtained from the Freedom of Information Act. This man is serious about what he does. And I've had the pleasure of listening to John on A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. And you know what? This gentleman knows how to do his homework. So we're going to get John Greenwald back in the very near future. And once again, his website is www.theblackvault.com. Now, before we end this segment, I'd like to remind everyone that we have a petition to have Jan Harzan, the Executive of, Director of MUFON, forcing him to resign as the director, the executive director of MUFON. In May 2017, the MUFON state director for both Pennsylvania and Delaware and the Inner Circle member, John Ventry, posted what can only be called a racist rant on to his private Facebook page. Several people reacted to it, suggesting that such opinions were appalling. MUFON's executive director and Inner Circle member, Jan Harzen reacted with what was called a non-apology, attacking those who had reacted negatively, calling them haters, and then suggested that these haters might be worse than John Ventry. The offensive posts, as well as the critical comments, were then removed. Harzan eventually announced that John Ventry had been fired as state director for both states. The reaction came only after there had been uh, more bad public relations for MUFON. Not long after this it was discovered that another inner circle member, Jay Z Knight, had in a drunken rant, made other political, I am sorry, other racially charged comments about the Jews, Mexicans, gays, Catholics, and organic farmers. Harzan, on learning this, ignored the severity of the comments, saying that if she had been a state director, he would have fired her. All three remain on the inner circle and while it is suggested that the inner circle has no real influence over the MUFON workings, other documentation, including the MUFON website, suggests otherwise. Now, given the slow reaction to Ventry's racist rant and the lack of real concern about such attitudes at the highest levels of MUFON's organization, as evidenced by Harzen's public comments about both Ventry and Knight, it is time to remove these high ranking MUFON officials from their positions of power and oversight. The problem is s- systemic at the top and such attitudes can filter down through the organization rather than standing by and watching what happens it is time to make a change now if you agree go to www.xzbnradiotv.com sign the petition it's there and you can also read the ridiculous claims that john ventry made going back to 2014 that malaysian airlines flight 370 will never be found because it was abducted by extraterrestrials. I'll be back on the other side of this break with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast centre in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.